It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. does a professional surfer uh, wooden stake and so-called serpent DNA fit into the story of two missing children? Let's just start at the beginning. Take a listen to our friends at CrimeOnline.com. On Saturday, Matthew Coleman and his family get ready to go camping. Coleman, the founder of Love Water Surfing School, his wife and their two children, a two-year-old son and 10-month-old daughter. But Matthew Coleman takes off in the family's Mercedes Sprinter van with the children, but without his wife. Mrs. Coleman says over the next 24 hours, her husband would not answer texts. So she uses the Find My Phone function on her laptop to discover Matthew Coleman is in Rosarita, Mexico. It's a beach town about 16 miles south of the border city of Tijuana. Okay, so much. I I, I got so much information from that. And when you are preparing for trial, which is how I look at practically everything since law school, every single fact matters. And I was hearing so much. Dad is a professional surfer. He runs a surf school, Love Water Surf School. He obviously is very athletic, a real outdoors person. I learned he's got a wife. He's got these two little children, one two years old, one 10 months old. I learned they've got a Mercedes Sprinter, which really strikes a chord with me because we're big into the RV and camping. We RV every summer. We camp every summer. And my husband's dream vehicle is a Mercedes Sprinter. They're really expensive. We don't have one. So we stick to renting a big old honking RV every time we go anywhere. But the Sprinters are set up for four people and it looks like a van on the outside, but it's really nice and it turns into a sleeper. And I'm I'm just thinking this through. Where did he get the money for a Mercedes Sprinter? And I'm also thinking about the unlikely scenario that the twin, my children would be in the car with my husband and I'm not in there. And then he takes off with the children and I can't find him. And I have to use find my iPhone app or the Life 360 app to try to find him. I'm getting all that from just that one bite that we got from our friends at Crime Online. Let me introduce to you an all-star panel. Just wait for it. You're going to hear about the wooden stake. You are going to hear about missing children, and you're going to hear about so-called serpent DNA. But let's don't put the cart before the horse. With me, California prosecutor, author of Red Flags on Amazon, Host of Today with Dr. Wendy on KCBQ San Diego, Wendy Patrick joining us, Karen Stark, renowned New York psychologist, and you can find her at karenstark.com, that's Karen with a C, 
death investigator, Joseph Scott Morgan, professor of forensics at Jacksonville State University, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, and star of several hit series, including The Piketon Massacre, Return to Pike County on iHeartRadio. But first, I want to go to senior reporter with San Diego Union Tribune, Wendy Fry. And you can find her on Twitter at Wendy Fry underscore Wendy. Now, wait a minute. You know, my sister and her family live out in California. And that is how I became acquainted with the surfing scene because her children, a boy and a girl, would get up in the morning and go surfing. They go surfing before they go to school in the morning. If you, I took the twins out on the pier and you look out, I think we were at Santa Cruz, um, and we were looking out and you see little black dots all out in the water. And the twin said, what's that? And I said, those are surfers. There were like 40 of them out there waiting for the perfect wave. This is eight o'clock in the morning in their black wetsuits. And we went up to the surf school. It's a huge industry. It's very expensive. And it's a whole way of life. Would you agree with that, Wendy Fry? Absolutely, Nancy. It's, it absolutely is a way of life, a, a lifestyle. And if um, you look at Mr. Coleman's, you know, social media accounts and his um, Instagram, he is totally devoted to this lifestyle. He loves the ocean. All his posts are about, um, you know, underwater posts or waves. And he runs this Love Water Surf Company, which they're very expensive surfing schools to send your kids to um, in Santa Barbara. Uh, and also, wait, 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 uh, wait, 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 Wendy, Wendy. Yeah. Okay, Wendy. I know you're used to a formal Q and A, but this is kind of imagine all of us sitting around a table having a big plate of spaghetti. That's just what comes to mind right now, and none of us agree on anything. So we're all interrupting and fighting. Okay, that's what it's like to prepare oh, for trial. Now, did you say Santa Barbara? Is that where that where all the rich people live? Like, is that where is that where Harry and Megan live? And uh, do I have that bass backwards? It's expensive to live there. Yeah. Wait, yeah, is that where that enclave of rich people live? Area. Absolutely. Okay. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. You pay for the sunshine. Yeah, you, right. you, you really de- you really do. But when we say this whole surf school and the surfing lifestyle, I mean the surfing life, it's a lifestyle. You you've got to really be devoted to it. And you also said his school is super expensive. Yeah, they're expensive to send yes, kids to surfing school, absolutely. Was his wife part of the whole surfing scene or just him? Uh, it looked like he was he was mainly the surfer in the family. Um, but, you know, it's, it's this lifestyle that's, you know, natural, being in nature, being outside, a love for fish, a love for ocean. Um, and she definitely seems to have shared in that with him. You know, I, I've got another issue going through my mind right now. You know, Karen Stark. You've been with me since before I was pregnant with the twins, and they are 13 now. It would, you know, it would be a cold day in H-E-L-L that my husband, David Lynch, would drive off with my twins, my children, and I not know where they're going and have to try to find him on an app with the children. What kind of thinking is that? And she looks on there and finds out he crossed the border. He's near Tijuana with the children and without her. And that, that's what makes me think that something else must have been going on, Nancy. 
Now, Karen Starr, you know, you know, I think a great deal of you, but telling me something else is going on. I know that. I know that. I mean, Karen Starr, you remind me of Henry Lee and O.J. Simpson, where he said something is wrong. Well, I know that the two dead bodies with the heads chopped off in the driveway. But I need you to give me more in-depth. What is that when a person, a husband or wife, totally disregards the feelings of the spouse and takes off with their the crown, the, the jewel in their crown, their children? The relationship between the husband and wife is not okay. I'm, I'm convinced about that, Nancy, because you, as you said, David would never do that. No. But this man just takes off impulsively or not, we don't know, and the wife doesn't know where he is. How many times has that happened before? We don't really know, but there is something wrong in the family where the communication has definitely... You know, you're right, Karen, because there is no way that I would do that to David. Even if I was irritated or angry with him, I wouldn't do that. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I want to follow through with where we are right now. We've got the wife standing there. The husband takes off with the children. P.S. Not using a car seat. One is two years. One is just a few months old, 10 months old. But why? Uh, Take a listen to this. Using surveillance images, authorities in Mexico determined that on Saturday evening at around 8, Coleman had checked into a City Express hotel in Rosarito with his two children. Early Monday morning, shortly before 3 a.m., Coleman can be seen in those surveillance images leaving the hotel with his kids, but then returns about three and a half hours later by himself. Santa Barbara police confirmed that Coleman's wife had reported her husband and her two young children missing, saying she was concerned for their well-being. Okay, right there. Let me go straight back out to Wendy Fry, senior reporter, San Diego Union Tribune. You can find her at Wendy underscore Fry. Wendy, let me understand this. Where are they at this point, this hotel that he, the City Express Hotel in Rosarito with his two children? Where is that in relation to where he left the wife? So it's about a 30-minute drive south of the border. They're on the northern end of Rosarito, sort of closer to the main town of Rosarito. And um, it's just a, a very cheap motel that you can check into 40 bucks maybe um, at any time. And obviously the police were able to later go back and pull the, the video of him doing that and seeing the kids there you know, with him as he's trying to check in. So you say it's 30 minutes south of the border. How far is that away from their home and the surf school, all that in Santa Barbara? Several hours. It'd be, it'd be definitely several hours, what, three or so or four hour drive. Okay. Um, and mm-hmm. you drive along a scenic route uh, along the beach. And what's interesting about that is there's toll road checkpoints um, every 10, 20 miles or mm-hmm. so and that you have to stop and pay pesos for. And there's cameras there. So they would probably be able to go back and pull, you know, all the so video surveillance of him. What I'm getting at to Wendy Patrick, a uh, host of today with Dr. Wendy KCBQ. Wendy, three hours drive. You know what I call that? 
premeditation. He has time to think about the fact that he's kidnapped the children from the mom. He has time on this long route and waiting in the Mexican border stop to think about the fact that he's not answering his wife's phone calls. He hasn't told her where he is. And he is now in possession of the two children with complete disregard for his wife. Yeah, Nancy, that's gonna that's very important. This isn't just taking the kids out for ice cream somewhere and being gone a couple hours or necessarily forgetting to tell the wife, hey, I'm taking the kids to the park. This does smack a premeditation and it also the the length of time it takes. And now that I hear from my, my colleague and friend Wendy Fry that there are toll roads and there are other impediments and obstacles and challenges to actually getting to the destination, that even expounds this uh, labor that's involved in going from point A to point B, all without the wife's knowledge, and apparently uh, causing her some serious concern, which may tell us that this is not normal behavior for this man either. So right now there is an APB, All Points Bulletin, for these two little children, Kaleo, age three, and Roxy, just 10 months old. The mom, Abby Coleman, wringing her hands, trying to find her husband and her children, and then the worst outcome, a parent's nightmare. Take a listen to our cut one. This is Karen Cruz joining us from KKFX Fox 11. Two Santa Barbara children were found dead with stab wounds in Rosarito, Baja California, Mexico. I saw some blood stains and I looked a little further. My dog was the one that located the two tiny bodies. I did not know the gender of the bodies and I did not want to look any closer and left, so I called 911. According to Baja California State Attorney General's office, a ranch employee found bloodstains and the body of two children ages one and three with stab wounds. A wooden stake stained with blood was also found. I want to go straight out to Joe Scott Morgan, professor of forensics at Jacksonville State University. You and I have dealt with a lot of cases that are on the other side of the border. I've investigated them, I have worked them, I've reported on them, I've written about them. When you get tangled up with the Mexican police, you don't know when or if you're going to get an answer. You have no idea what's going on. This mother, Abby Coleman, has already lived through trying to deal with Mexican authorities, trying to find her children, and now this? I mean, for Pete's sake, do I even have to say El Chapo? who managed to build, what, a mile or so long tunnel underneath the jailhouse and literally drive a motorcycle through it, and the Mexican authorities had no idea what was going on, and now she is trying to find out about her children, and she gets this news. Joe Scott, have you ever dealt with a case across the border? It's awful. Yeah, it's an absolute nightmare, and can you imagine being a young mama and not knowing the status of your babies, not knowing where they are. And then they're on the other side of the border. You can't get your hands on them. You can't comfort them. You know, think about this, this, Nancy. You're obviously a parent. I'm a parent. And kids this age, they need their mama. They they cry. They they need comforting. And, you know, these kids are in a position. I, I, I'm a firm believer that kids can sense fear, even at a very young age. Uh, they would know, I think, on one level, even if it's a primal level, that something's up. 
you know, because mom's generally in our atmosphere. She's not. And we've been on Nancy. It's not just, it's not like he took them down to the playground. All right. This is a long, long trip. So their anxiety would have been up as well. And I think concurrently, mama's anxiety is up too. And then she's faced with having to deal with these folks on the other side of the border to try to get answers. It's an absolute parental horror show. And, you know, I'm thinking about Wendy Fry, senior reporter, San Diego Union-Tribune, when she first found out about that surveillance video. And the surveillance video shows the husband at City Express Hotel in Rosarito with his two children. He checks in with them, but he doesn't check out with them. The video shows him leaving, but he's by himself. Right. He was leaving in the middle of the night and he has the kids, he has the stroller and that's from an elevator shot. And then he comes back a few hours later without the children. So he left at like three in the morning in the middle of the night. And of course, these kids must have known something was going on. I mean, he's got the baby in a box in the Mercedes Sprinter van. Right. So the three year old must know the baby's supposed to be in a car seat. Not in a box. Yeah, I imagine these kids were, were, were wrought with fear the whole time. I didn't know that, Wendy Fry. What do you mean the baby, the 10-month-old, was in a box? So he, he didn't have a car seat. So he put the affidavit says he told the FBI that he had put the baby in a box in the van to drive down there. I, I, I'm sorry for the dead air right there. I'm just trying to take in what you're saying, Wendy Fry. You know, Wendy, I've asked a lot of people this, but... Does it ever get to you when you cover these cases? I mean, when I tried these cases and would have to investigate, you know, literally down to a single hair at a crime scene, it 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 was um, overwhelming. It was like huge tidal waves of crime crashing me every day. Does this putting the baby in a box? Right. Sometimes it does. I mean, I cover Mexico, right? So sometimes it seems like every crime scene is is worse than the next. And sometimes they don't even phase you at first. But then, you know, when you're reporting, you're just in the in the process of collecting facts and confirming facts. So that sort of makes it automatic. And then later something, you know, something stupid or small sort of triggers it sets me off to where. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. Right. yeah. But in Mexico, you know, they, they let you kind of closer up to the crime scenes. So I'm pretty desensitized to violence. Um uh, not in this case, they didn't. They really did secure the crime scene. They had their best investigators out there. But, um, you know, often it's, it's, it's pretty visible in, in Baja California and in Mexico. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we are talking about two little children that at first we think are targets of parental kidnapping when the surf teacher dad takes off in a Mercedes Sprinter with them. Mom finds out through Find My iPhone app that he's actually in Mexico from where they live in Santa Barbara. And then the worst comes true. After learning about surveillance video at the City Express Hotel in Rosarita, showing the dad checking in with the two children ages 5 and 10 months, leaving with them around 3 a.m. and then returning without them. Mom knows something is horribly wrong. We were hearing about that surveillance video from our friend Richard Allen at CBS 8 in San Diego, but then she finds out 
that a, a, a an employee finds the children dead, the babies, and a wooden stake stained with blood. A wooden stake? Guys, take a listen to our friend Katie Johnson at CBSN LA. Two young children were found dead in Mexico. Investigators in Mexico say the three-year-old girl and one-year-old boy were found Monday morning by a farm worker at a ranch in Baja, California. The girl had been stabbed 12 times and the boy stabbed 17 times. A blood-stained wooden stake was also found. Police in Santa Barbara say Matthew Taylor Coleman's wife reported the children missing and said she was concerned for their well-being. Coleman could face aggravated murder charges in Mexico. Let me go back to you. Wendy Fry joining us from the San Diego Union-Tribune. Tell me who, what, where, when, why about the discovery of these tiny children's bodies. So a farm worker went out, and you heard a little bit from him, um, saw blood. The dogs were alerting to the blood. He followed uh, the dogs and found this horrific scene. The, both of the babies were apparently in diapers. Um, and he, the way he described it later, he said he thought it was like a satanic ritual or a cult killing. Um, he described that to Baja California journalists right after the discovery. So you've got to imagine this is just horrifying to see it's in an area that's very remote um so the though matthew stayed northern in northern rosarito this discovery of the bodies was way south in rosarito like probably more toward ensenada really and very remote area where there's only dirt roads and you know not a lot of people around you know the fact of course somebody is going to start screaming wendy patrick that he was insane but he knew to hide the bodies and to take off, to leave the scene. And that is pure evidence of flight. I mean, when I see a cop pulling up behind me or a trooper on the interstate, I don't take off at 100 mph. I might tap the brakes, but I don't try to run because I don't care if he searches my car or my trunk. Have at it. I'd just be mad if you didn't. But he hid the bodies and he takes off and hides. He does not respond to his wife's texts or emails, her phone calls, nothing, because he knows what he's doing is wrong. And when I hear satanic cult suspected, I know right where they're going to go with an insanity defense. Yeah, Nancy, an insanity defense would be a lot easier if there were actually circumstantial evidence to support that particular defense. But here you've got too much conscious, cognitive, and sophistication in the conduct. I mean, this is not only somebody that goes through all the trouble, not only to skip town, but skip the country, even though it was a complicated set of circumstances to get there with all those pesos and checking into the motel. But then you're right. When you look at the cause of death and the behavior afterwards, you know, insanity, do you know right from wrong? That's really the general question that we ask. And in answering that question, you know, you have to consider all the different logical, logical, let's put that in quotes, but all of the different strategic and intentional bits of conduct that this man went through between leaving the house and the murder. Nancy? Jump in. Yeah, I I like to, to Wendy's point, to kind of bolster this, her thesis here relative to the forensic evidence. We're talking about a stake, a wooden stake, Nancy. My, I, I submit to you that 
he, if this is a steak, as they're calling it, I'm not talking about something you go out and, and stake tomatoes with out in your garden. If this is a steak that he fashioned, I believe that he would have probably fashioned this at his own home. And this takes time. All right. It takes tools. It's not like he just in a, in a, a fury picked up a knife. All right. That anybody might have laying around. No, 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 no. He took the time perhaps to fashion a stake and multiple stakes, because this is the thing when you're dealing with wood and this goes to the deeper forensics here, but this is what happens. The stake, the wooden stake that you fashion, no matter how sharp it is, after you have stabbed someone, these babies, multiple, multiple times, what happens to that stake? It gets dull. You have to go back and resharpen it. Well, and I want to point out, when you say you have to go back and resharpen it, keep in mind, as far as the, the stake, the wooden stake getting dull, the girl had been stabbed 12 times. The boy, 17 times with a wooden stake. And I want to also tell you, this guy was no idiot. He has a master's degree from UC Santa Barbara, a master's degree. That means a four-year degree plus a master's degree. Um, I want you to take a listen now to Our Cut 6. This is Melissa Aiden with NBC7. This all started when Santa Barbara police were first alerted of a possible parental kidnapping and missing persons report, which Coleman's wife had filed over the weekend. Using the Find My iPhone app, Coleman was tracked and apprehended at the San Ysidro port of entry, where he then admitted to FBI agents chilling details as to how and why he says he committed the murders, including taking his kids across the border with his 10-month-old in a box since he didn't have a car seat. Coleman confessed to the killing of his 10-month-old son and two-year-old daughter by shooting a spear fishing gun into their chest while in Rosarito, Mexico. But the most disturbing is how he described the slaying at a ranch in Rosarito, telling federal agents he believed his children were going to, quote, grow into monsters, so he had to kill them, citing that he was enlightened by QAnon and Illuminati conspiracy theories and that he was receiving visions and signs revealing that his wife possessed serpent DNA and had passed it on to his children. I told you you were going to hear about serpent DNA, and now you have. QAnon, Illuminati, you know, I've got a post that he did. Um, Listen to this. Another picture that came to me was of God reaching down into a riverbed, picking up a small stone, examining it, just as David had done before slaying Goliath. God examined the stone, confident it was just the perfect one for battle. Although it was small, smooth, and harmless, he knew it would become great when placed in the palm of a skilled hand. My declaration over Roxy his daughter, is that she has been handpicked by God to slay the giants in the land. Bible scripture plus QAnon and Illuminati conspiracies. What is he talking about, Wendy Fry? That is a very scary post that you just read. I had not seen that one. I saw one where he had his baby son next to the spear fishing gun. And I guess we should clarify, too. So when the uh, Rosarito police found this wooden stake they initially believed that that was the murder weapon uh subsequently when he was arrested and he started talking to the fbi he told them that he actually had used a spear fishing gun to kill the children and then later driven to a different area and hid it hid 
that spearfishing gun. So then Mexico police were able to later go to the location where he hit it and recover that murder weapon as well. So we don't know exactly what he used this wooden stake for. We just know that it had blood stains and it was next to the crime scene and that he says it was the spearfishing gun. There's another post where the, the baby, uh, right when his two-year-old son was born, uh, he had the baby wrapped up in a little blanket and he had it next, laid out next to the spearfishing gun and said, you know, his son's name and how he couldn't wait to go spearfishing as well. So just pretty eerie later figuring out what happened, that he had his son posted online as a baby with this murder weapon, which presumably is a murder weapon, uh, saying that his son couldn't wait. It's, it's pretty scary. <laughs> Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we are talking about the parental kidnap and murder of two little children by the surf dad killer who takes away the children as his wife frantically tries to find them. Says they were growing into, quote, monsters that had gotten serpent DNA from mommy. Um, don't be fooled by all of his BS the technical legal term, about uh, QAnon and Illuminati. This guy knows exactly what he's doing. He just didn't want children anymore. Take a listen to our cut five. This is Richard Allen, CBS 8. Investigators in Mexico say that Coleman owns a surf school in Santa Barbara. According to the school's website, Coleman has ties to the San Diego area, earning his bachelor's degree at Point Loma Nazarene University before attending UC Santa Barbara for his master's. According to a statement from the FBI, Coleman remains in federal custody. While a joint investigation continues among federal investigators in Los Angeles and San Diego, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, and Mexican authorities. And authorities on both sides of the border are now working to return the bodies of the two children here to California. In the meantime, Coleman could face extradition to Mexico to face murder charges, and if ultimately convicted, could spend at least the next 60 years in a Mexican prison. I think he knew the moment he crossed the border that he was going to kill the children, knowing full well that Mexico does not have the death penalty and will not extradite anybody back to the U.S. if the U.S. is going to seek the death penalty. Um, guys, why is it that so often when mothers or fathers kill their children, they're immediately assumed to be insane? That's not true. Do I have to say the name Josh Powell? Take a listen to Ben Tracy, our cut 13 at CBS News. As arson investigators continue to search through what's left of the Powell home, the medical examiner now says seven-year-old Charlie and five-year-old Braden Powell suffered chop injuries to their head and necks. The sheriff says their father, Josh Powell, then started the house on fire. We found two five-gallon cans of gas. Uh, one of them was with the bodies. The other one, we believe, was spread throughout the house. There was accelerants throughout the whole entire house. Police say before he carried out the murder-suicide, Powell donated his son's toys to charity and left instructions about his personal effects in multiple emails. He sent some emails out to family and a pastor and some other people uh, making sure that everybody knew that he was gone, that he was the one that did this. He had put a plan in motion and he carried it out. 
Powell had been under police scrutiny following the suspicious disappearance of his wife, Susan Cox Powell, from their Utah home in December 2009. Six days ago, he lost a battle with Susan's parents for custody of his sons. It was very clear. Rather than hand over custody to his wife that he killed, Susan Powell's parents, and undergo a psychosexual evaluation to determine whether he could even have visitation, he killed the children. It was very well planned, just like Surf Dad. And do I even have to say the name? Killer Dad, Chris Watts. Remember Cece and Bella? And mom, Shanann, take a listen to our Cut 15A, Elena Athens, ABC 11. Chris Watts's voice started cracking when he talked about his four-year-old daughter's final words. It says, I hear that every, every day when the fellow is talking to me. It's like, oh, when she said that, you know. The Fayetteville native says the murderous rampage where he killed his entire family and unborn son started in the master bedroom. His pregnant wife, Shanann, bringing up the affair he was having. She threatened to take away the kids and he responded by physically silencing her. I don't even know what kind of force I was putting on her neck. After, Watt says the eldest child, Bella, walked into the room. She had her Watts says the child was following him around the house as he was dragging Shanann's body into his pickup truck. He also placed Bella and three-year-old Cece in the vehicle. He drove them to his job site and killed the girls. Chris Watts knew what he was doing. It was very well planned. And then, I mean, I could go on, but I don't want to forget to mention in our cut 19, uh, take a listen to our friends at CrimeOnline.com talking about Ryan Lawrence, another killer dad. Ryan Lawrence tried to elude police who were looking for the father and his 21-month-old daughter. As temperatures dropped below freezing, Lawrence entered a shop to stay warm. He tried to disguise his looks by wearing a wig, bandana, hat, and dark sunglasses, but he was recognized. When Lawrence was arrested, he had camping gear in his backpack and a book on how to elude being captured. After being questioned for hours, he confessed and told detectives where they could find Maddox's body. When she was pulled from the river, she had been dead for more than two days. Ryan Lawrence's family said he had been a doting father. Ryan himself said during his confession that he had prayed to God to give him a sign not to go through with what he had planned, but he didn't. He said he prayed, God, if I'm not meant to kill her, make her stumble. Somehow God gets dragged into so many murder scenarios. This guy we're talking about today, Surf Dad, he knew exactly what he was doing. You know, back to you, Wendy Fry, senior reporter, San Diego Union Tribune. What's this business about Illuminati and QAnon? Yeah, I mean, it's conspiracy theories all over the Internet. The serpent DNA might refer to these message board conspiracy theories that the coronavirus vaccine gives you the serpent DNA. So that's something that people read. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know what? I've had it about up to here with the whole COVID conspiracies. It's a scam. It's not real. It's fake. I had COVID. My mother gave it to me, my 89-year-old mother. And then I gave it to my own children and my husband and Jackie. I mean, we all had COVID. It's real. And the other day, 
some kid was telling me, uh, well, we haven't had COVID because it makes you sterile. It doesn't. And now this serpent blood? Is that what this is all about, Wendy? Well, the QAnon conspiracy theory, you know, I mean, people have probably heard about that by now. It's this pro-Trump conspiracy movement that... Please, please, my head is about to blow off. Don't drag Trump or Biden, either one, into this thing. Okay? But QAnon Illuminati, if you can... If you can possibly not say Trump or Biden, it would really make me happy. Go ahead. (laughs) So they believe that there's this secret pedophilia ring, right? And that there's a conspiracy to cover it up among all these elite, uh, you know, famous people and elite uh, politicians. And they worship Satan. Okay, so this is like just a crazy conspiracy theory that people talk about all over social media and all over message boards. If either Biden or Trump were worshiping Satan, the other side would find out and it'd be on the front page of the New York Post. Okay, so they're not worshiping Satan, but where does that leave me as it relates to Kaleo and Roxy and Serpent Blood and a wooden stake? Well, it's something you, you you know, you want to dismiss because it's like crazy people talking on the Internet. Right. But the conspiracy movement has been the subject of multiple reports by the FBI saying that these followers are. They, they could resort to violence. You know, they're, they, they are becoming violent. They're talking about taking their world from the Internet into the real world. And, you know, so this is an example of, okay. you know, maybe we should start paying attention. Now I get it. What and what about the about Illuminati, the so-called Illuminati? What does that have to do with this? That's about the, you know, the the group of people who really know what's going on. I think it was in a movie, you know, it dates back to to the Renaissance way long ago, that there's a group of people that really are the only people who really know, you know. And they haven't shared with us what's really going on. I can tell you what's going on. (laughs) This grade A number one a-hole, another technical legal term, has a one-way ticket to dinner with Satan, and he's going to make a little pit stop for life behind bars. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Goodbye.